Good morning and welcome to chapel. Good to see all of you. I just invite you to um, take a moment and I invite you into a moment of silence and prayer as we still our hearts and we still our minds and come before God in worship. I invite you to join me in silence. God of love, we know that your presence is with us and among us wherever we go. Open our eyes to you and your presence among us. Open our ears to the whispers of your spirit. Open our hearts to your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It is my great pleasure this morning to welcome uh, to Goshen College this morning our guest speakers, representatives from Mennonite World Conference who are behind me here on the stage. Um, this morning they are going to speak with us a little bit about who they are, a little bit about the mission and ministry of Mennonite World Conference, and share some stories from the wider global church. So regardless of whether you belong to the Mennonite church or to another denomination or faith tradition, I hope that this morning will be an opportunity for us to reflect upon what it means to be a part of the larger global body of Christ no matter what tradition or what nation we might belong to. For through faith, we are intimately connected to people all over the world. And this morning, we have the opportunity to hear from a few of those people. So I guess this morning, we'll introduce themselves and tell you a little bit more about themselves more fully after we sing together. But their names are, and hopefully I got these right, Tigist Galagi, close enough, <laughs> who comes to us from Ethiopia. Pakisa Smika, who comes from the Congo, Cynthia Peacock from India, and Bert Loby, who comes from a lovely country known as Canada. And Bert, on a personal note, just happened to be my high school principal for um, the first four years of high school. So it's good to see him here. Um, they will be introducing themselves further, as I said. And we're going to begin our time of worship with um, a song. So I invite Scott and Lane up to lead us. And as we sing, we're also going to hear the words of the Psalms intermittently be between uh, rounds of the song. So, Scott, welcome you. Please turn to number 64 in your hymnal. Join in singing Asiti Amen. And please stand if you're able. And we'll sing through both verses this one time. I will thank you, Yahweh, among the peoples, among the nations, I will praise you. Bless God, O oh my soul. 
Yahweh, my God, how great you are, clothed in majesty and glory, wrapped in a robe of light. You stretched the heavens out like a tent. You laid the beams for your palace on the waters above. I will sing to you all my life. I will make music for my God as long as I live. Give thanks to Yahweh and call on God's name. Proclaim God's deeds among all the peoples. Sing to God. Sing praise and tell of all God's marvels. If I do, I notice that your hospital is not very far away. <laughs> uh, it's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Pakisa Chimika, and I'm the Associate General Secretary for the Men at War Conference. And uh, together with my colleagues, we have been uh, traveling for a uh, few days. My colleagues actually started in uh, Pennsylvania before me, uh, traveling to speak to churches, to group, small groups, and uh, uh, then I joined them in Ohio, and then we came here. And so we, uh, we find it really privileged to be with uh, this fine group of leaders uh, of the churches, no matter what uh, denomination you come from. For us, it's the Mennonite Church, but for some of you, like it was said, from whatever denomination you come from. The, the fascinating thing for me is to know that our group actually represents the, the face of the church. The face of the church in terms of its color, its diversity, and uh, in, in what the church is becoming. So I'm going to invite my colleague to come and join me here. And uh, uh, <laughs> maybe you don't, don't want to. <laughs> um, when we talked to the youth during the night, uh, I reminded them that uh, the church as, as it's growing, even though it started in Europe for the Mennonite church as well for other, other churches, the Presbyterian, the Baptist, at one time, when you look at their meetings, you see you only saw uh, people who look kind of white, because the white color does not exist anyway. Um, so they all kind of look kind of white. But today, the, the church has changed uh, across the globe. When you see the Presbyterians get together, when you see the Mennonites get together, it's, 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 it's a combination, it's a mosaic, like our group here. And when you look at the churches around the world, it's also, um, it's, does not, it's not between Bert and I. The larger part of the church, wherever you are, is between Tigest and Cynthia. Tigest, because the majority are the young people, the life of the church, the future of the church. And women. It's not men. 
So today we want to share some personal stories and we will try to give you just a little taste of heaven. Let's start with the youngest person in the group. I am Tigist Galagli. I have a hard time when I came here because we don't have a last name. So they use my grandfather's name as a last name. So the first day when I get that name, I call my dad and sorry dad, nobody's gonna call me in your name anymore. And he laughed at me. <coughs> so my name is Tigist in my country, but here I'm Tigist Galagli. I'm from Ethiopia, which is the oldest country dated more than 3,000 years in the history of the world that holds 77 millions of people and also yield the humanity oldest fossils, making the area the origin of the humanity. I'm from the capital city of Addis Ababa, which holds over 5 million people, and I graduate in accounting, information system, and I'm doing my second degree in international relations. Currently, I'm working as Mennonite World Conference intern in MCC United Nations office in New York City. Um, and also, I'm from the Mennonite church in my country in Ethiopia. Uh, my, my country has got like more than 65 years of the Mennonite church in my country. And during the 1982, there were persecution and suffering in the Christians. Not only Mennonites, not only Lutherans, all, who all the people who believe in Jesus were persecuted. It was really forbidden to pray and worship God together just like this. The churches were closed, but Christians were dedicated at that time to worship God, to pray and meeting together because they know the meaning of being together. Secretly, not officially, they gathered in a house, but they entered separately in the house because if they get together, to get Together, the people might see them and call the police and they will be arrested. The church leaders were arrested. They were persecuted. It stays for nine years. But after that, when, the, when we got religion, religion freedom, the Mennonite church only became 50,000 from 5,000. Many people were arrested at that time. But those prayers, commitments, dedications, become the best for the growth of the church in my country. As I told you, I work in the United Nations in New York City. I see so many things in the United Nations. Every day there is a meeting, there is a resolution. We hear everything from all over the world. It reminds me of one thing about the globalization. It's a good way of seeing globalization in the United Nations. But globalization become a biggest issue these days. We used to entertain the globalization, but not anymore. In general, there are groups. Some people consider it as a benefit, a way to development, but others think that it's a recipe to destroy the poor. In my, in, in my view, I put my country in between, the bit, in between the two ideas, but a bit closer to the latter one. Despite its contribution, it's a great opportunity for me and also for other few portion of the population to taste the, the, the fruit of the globalization. But because of globalization, <coughs> poverty become worse in my country. The IMF, World Bank, old policies of free trade, privatization or liberalization, everything affects our economy. 
We have higher, higher inflation, less development, and higher employment rates. In my country specifically, the, uh, the International Monetary Fund's ad structural adjustment loans made our gross capital rate to zero. For me, being seated in the UN office, I, 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 don't, I, I can't see any hope from the United Nations or any organization for the poor country like my country. But if you ask me why globalization, globalization in a useful way, for me, can be best described in terms of the gathering and sharing of gifts in a Christian communion. Because the Millennium Development Goal is not the one that makes us rich or can take us out of poverty. The Millennium Development Goal is gonna be in 2050. It's gonna be after six years. You can imagine what's gonna happen after six years in the world. Things are getting worse and worse and worse. But I have one hope. It's not WTO that makes us rich or that makes us grow. But there's one thing that I believe. By Christians who have no hidden agenda rather than serving the community with the heart of Christ. Especially as a young people who have a changed mind because we believe in Christ. In order to address such kind of things in our generation, we need to gather together from all over the world. We need to hear the concern of other people. We need to share our joys. We need to think and live the way Christ teaches us. Let's have a heart for brothers and sisters all over the world. The people who rule us, they don't have a heart for the people. But we Christians who have a heart because we follow Christ, when we come together, we can make a difference. We need you. I know you need us. We need each other. Giving is different from sharing. We need to share each other. We need to share what we have all over the world. One of this, those things for me is having, there's, there's gonna be a global youth summit in Paraguay, July 2009. There will be a global youth summit. Young people from all over the world will meet together, Christians. I know we're gonna have a meeting with Mennonite Christians, but we are invited everybody, every young people who have a heart for serving the people in the name of Christ. That include young people from all over the world. We'll discuss about the young people participation in the church leadership position in decision making. We will push the church, we will address the church so that we can be represented in the church. We will experience a great cross-cultural value of resources, concerns, and joys, because the concern here in the North America is different from the concern from to the South. The joys here and the joys there is really different. In order to see those things, we need to come together to the table. I know, after that, after that we will be totally different because the, the way we experience things are gonna be different. The way we read our Bible, the way we, the content of our prayers become changed, will be changed. We are all a body of Christ. The church in North America or the church in Africa or the, the church in Europe cannot be a body of Christ by itself. We all are a body of Christ. So I, I invite you to come and to join us and to see other parts of your body by joining us in the Global Youth Summit. May God bless you.
I'm Cynthia Peacock. Uh, the name Peacock doesn't sound Indian at all, although I'm from India, and that's because uh, four generations ago, my great-great-grandfather came down from Scotland and married an Indian woman, and that's how the Peacock name came to be. <laughs> I come from uh, India, a country which is known by almost all of the world, and especially now because of the advancement in technology, in food production, uh, and in education, and otherwise it's a developing country. But I want, I've come here today to share with you another part of the story of India, which is different. I come from Calcutta, which has a 15 million population, close to 15 million, out of a 1 billion plus population in India. And in India, we have many religions, many customs, many cultures, many languages. And in spite of the differences, we are united in spite of the diversity. But there is a caste system that still exists till today. About 35% are in the rural or in the remote areas while I'm sorry, 35% are in the urban or the semi-urban areas, while 65% are, are in the rural and in the remote uh, rural areas. What has globalization done? In my own experience, I have seen that globalization has benefited a small percentage of this population of ours. It's maybe 20 to 25% where people have had more opportunities for higher education, to look for greener pastures while the majority or many continue to struggle for two square meals. And among them, the poorest of the poor who continue to even deteriorate because of globalization. Who cares and who wants to care? I have been fortunate working with Mennonite Central Committee for 30 plus years and I have had a rich experience working with many types of people, working also with Mother Teresa. And I've learned from the people who are suffering, from the people who are poor, how they struggle, and how people who have, because they don't share, people who don't have continue to struggle and con their conditions deteriorate. I am a single mother. I have two children and three grandchildren, and I belong to a Mennonite church, which was started as a house church right in my own house. We Christians are only 3% of the total population, and there are a lot of opportunities for us to be salt and light. Because of... Uh, the way in which we started our church to be Indian-like, to, to do away with the misconception that Christianity is a Western religion, we have been able to draw many Hindus to our church, and especially the young people who are the seekers of truth. They are, able, they come to, they are attracted to our church because we worship in the Indian way, we sing songs to the Indian tunes, 
since my time with MCC, I have retired in 2006 and have had the opportunity to, while in MCC, work with small producer groups whose lives have changed because of fair trade organizations like 10,000 Villages. And I've been able to come here and work, uh, volunteer with 10,000 Villages where the products that come from that end are sold here. And that link has br brought in a, a, a wonderful change in those lives where people have been impoverished and people have had no opportunities for education. I'm now involved with the Mennonite World Conference and the Deacons Commission. The Deacons Commission was established to help churches to learn about each other globally and to understand what are the conflicts, what, is, what kind of suffering the churches are going through, and to be of help. So the Deacons Commission will have deacons to visit the churches that are hurting, and MWC is going to find ways, has already found ways to be of help and respond positively. So as young people, I would challenge you to Stretch your minds to think locally, act globally, and challenge those who have opportunities to share with those who have less. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bert Lobby. Martha and I have served with the Mennonite Central Committee in different places, mostly the subcontinent, India, Nepal, and Pakistan, in our Akron offices and in Winnipeg for about 20 years. I'm pleased to be helping and working with the Mennonite World Conference as an, as an advocate for the global church these days. Years ago, Frederick Buchner wrote a novel, his Presbyterian minister, and in the novel he suggested that the church is not unlike a pile of manure. He said, the bigger the pile, the bigger the smell. But, he said in the book of Beb, you spread the manure out and it gives birth to color, light, and vibrancy. Today, the church, not just the Mennonite church, but the church, the Christian church, Catholic and Protestant, is growing most rapidly among poor people, among young people, and among suffering people. We in the North, US, Canada, and Europe, represent a third. And the church in these areas is by and large in decline. What's happening? In 1998, Jack Suderman, who's currently the General Secretary of the Mennonite Church Canada, visited Cuba along with 11 Canadians from the Canadian Council of Churches. They had an unusual opportunity to spend an hour with Fidel Castro from 11 o'clock in the evening in his office in downtown Havana, but it went till 2 o'clock in the morning. A three-hour conversation with this gentleman, trained in Jesuit schools and the leader of the revolution in post-Batista Cuba. His passion to provide health care for children good schools, he spoke of these things, and he spoke of greater equality for the poor. The church, made up of good and spiritual people, he said, are good, they're after the welfare of the poor, and they are concerned, and they, but they think a little bit too much about getting to heaven, he said. He said, we live in this world. Then he picked up a new biography, and he turned to page 29, in which his biographer said, that the Cuban Revolution was inspired by Karl Marx and the Communist Manifesto, and Castro said to Jack, he's wrong. It was not inspired by Marx, but, the but by the carpenter from Nazareth, uh, and he learned about this carpenter, he said, in his Jesuit training. He asked only that 
He asked his leaders in the school, why is the Mass only in Latin? He could not understand it. He wanted badly to know this Jesus better. Shaking his finger at one point in the interview, he said, remember the Cuban Revolution, was, which occurred in 1959, occurred three years before the Vatican II reforms. If the Catholic Church in Cuba in 1959 would have been like the Catholic Church in Nicaragua in 1980, we wouldn't have needed a revolution. But the church, he said, wasn't doing what it was designed for, and someone had to. How do we, in the Christian tradition, indeed in the Mennonite church, across the denominations, respond to Castro's observation? Permit me to point to identify four simple things that I think might help us. If we are to be in the world graciously, we, and we want to be gracious Christians, we will be gracious and rooted in a natural sense of awe and gratitude. Second, we will serve our neighbors with love and pleasure. Third, we are people, we will be people of welcome and embrace. And finally, we will understand that before Christians can be gracious publicly, they will be intensely gracious personally. Our challenge, to use the Japanese-American Kusuki Koyama's words, is to be in the world in the manner and spirit of Jesus. And that posture, Koyama says, is a bent-over posture, an open-hand posture, a crucified posture. Enough, he said, of a crusading posture. Like I said, my name is Pekisa Chimika. I'm originally from the Congo. And uh, I would just like to close with a few comments. Uh, the first comment is for the young people who are here. Uh, how many of you are involved in sports? Can I see some hands? Okay, there are a lot of you. I was very involved in sport myself. I played soccer. I played soccer in high school. I played soccer in college. I broke several records at Fresno Pacific. It took 10 years or 15 years to break them. Uh, you break records and someone needs to break them, right? Okay. Uh, to break them. And uh, then one day, uh, on the way to a wedding, I was in a car accident. It broke my neck. Uh, student in the nursing program, those in the pre-med program here would know, a C5 and 6, so all the way up here. And uh, paralyzed. So what do you do? What do you remember? What holds you together? I remember in, the, in December to 1973, when I was getting ready to leave to go to Fresno Pacific, my mom said to me, just before I left, Pekisa, don't forget. Sometime you won't feel us, you won't feel our presence, but God will always be with you. And then I discovered some other things. The church, the congregation, the people. You can do whatever you want. You can stay silent in the hospital for four months, but the people made a difference. The church made a difference because my roots in the church made me a strong person even in a time when everybody thought that everything was over. My dream was to be a uh, physician. I had been accepted to go to medical school just three weeks before the, the accident. And, uh, but God opened other doors. I went on to do public health, went on to get my doctorate in public health, which I exercised for many years until I started working for Men at War Conference. 
So when God closes one door, he opens a little window. But it's up to you to take the window and make it in the gate. And it's because also because people were willing to share. As the last few years, I've had the chance to work with many churches, work on the uh, project called Global Gift Sharing. Few things I want to leave with you. It's just to remember that um, the gift that God has given you, your intellectual capacity, your athletic capacity, they all belong to God. And God intends for you to share them. And if you don't share them and you hoard them, they will be like manna in the time of Moses, the time of the Israelites. Those who hoarded the manna, it rotted and it stunk, so it won't be good for anything. And those who don't use the gift that God has given you, either right here on campus or when you finish, you go wherever you go. When you don't use your gift, you be just like the muscles. A lot of my muscles that I don't, I don't use, they atrophy. But the, God, the gift that God gives you, as you're studying here, are gifts that he wants you to, to use. And he wants you to always recognize they come from him and they belong to him and he intends for you to, to use them. Um, if you, have, you want to see any of us to talk a little bit about the assembly that's coming up for those who are of the Mennonite Church or the Youth Summit that they get talk about, please feel free to, uh, to see us. I would like to finish by uh, praying with you, praying for you, and praying for all of us, and praying for the global church. Let's pray. Lord, it's been good to be here. It's been good to be with your people. It's been good to be in this holy ground, a place that's trained many, many people, including Larry Miller, who is the General Secretary for the Manhattan World Conference. Thank you that you have brought many students here from all around the world, and you have brought the faculty committed to serving you, recognizing that the gift that they have, it comes from you and they want to share them with the students. Not so that they would just use them in their local community, but that these people would be a shining light wherever they go. So as we go from here, please, Lord, help us to remember the suffering church, your people around the globe who are dying because of you. We pray for peace. There are many countries at war, and we pray for our leaders so that they will not be driven by the greed, that the compassion will be what drive the motives. So be with us, and today, and forever. Amen. Now before you start packing up, we aren't quite done yet, but first join me in giving our guests a big uh, round of applause and thanks. Thanks. And if you're interested in speaking with them more, they'll be here for a few minutes after we're finished. Now we do have one more guest, so I ask for your patience um, for just a few more moments as we invite, um, recognizing the alumnal board is with us this weekend, and they are meeting here. And this is a group of people that um, is giving of their gifts and time um, to this community. And so I'm gonna invite Tim Manicum, um, whose son Paul is, back there somewhere, um, first year student here. And he's just gonna share with us a little bit about um, his experience with uh, giving and um, 
our guests this morning gave us some challenging things to think about in regards to how we share and live within the um, global community. And so Tim's going to give us another perspective on giving and in, do a short intro to um, tuition-free day as well. So welcome, uh, Tim. Thank you. You know, I, I work in radio, so I understand the importance of timing. And I know 15-second breaks and 30-second breaks and 60-second. Maybe we'll make it a 90-second break here. Um, I, I'm here on behalf of the alumni board, the alumni board. Um, all of you will be alumni someday as soon as you graduate. And we're here for meetings for the next couple of days. And it's my understanding that people have talked to you about tuition-free day because um, tuition that, that comes in from, from uh, students and everyone that pays covers about 65% of the costs here at Goshen College. So um, the campus has organized some activities. And afterwards today, I think between 11 and 2, um, at the dining hall and at the union, you can come and meet. I think the alumni board is going to be there at lunch. We'd love to meet and chat with you. Last year, um, Goshen College received over $4 million from alumni and friends. That's in 07 to 08. Of, um, of the people that gave, these are numbers from the college. About 4,500 people were alumni. Just under 1,000 were businesses, households, and the others were just individuals and scholarships. So giving really is what makes Goshen College work, and I'm thrilled to be a part, a little part of the, the organization this morning because we talked about the global church, which is something that's dear to my heart. Uh, my parents were missionaries to Thailand from India. So, of course, as you know, missionary pay doesn't pay much, and there was no way that I could come to college here except through the generosity of others, friends, family, um, actually, no family, friends. Uh, didn't, didn't have any family that could afford for college. Goshen College, the Rotary Club. So I, I understand the idea of not just tuition-free day because I lived tuition-free for four years at the time Goshen had an international scholarship fund. So when I left, I really had an idea that I wanted to give back. And I think most of us on the alumni board do the same. We, we give of our time. Last year, the alumni board had a 100% giving percentage, and I think this year it's going to be the same. So we all understand the concept of giving, um, and it's not necessarily unique to us as individuals, because all of us do. The staff and the faculty give of time and resources. I know Goshen College students give because I was looking online and saw that several of you over Christmas sometime maybe had a little competition between the dorms about raising money for the Elkhart Food Network. Does that sound familiar? over $1,000. So the idea of giving really is, um, is ingrained in all of us, and we do it in different ways. Uh, this last week, I was doing a lot of work for public television in the evenings during their membership drive, and we talk about how someone can give automatically, you know, just $5 a month, $10 a month in your credit card, and it just adds up to them. But whether you give automatically or whether you give as a conscious decision, the idea of giving really should become a habit. Because as they say, uh, we create our habits, and our habits create our future. What's interesting about the habit of giving is that you not only create your future or my future, but when you give, you create the future for countless others. And the only reason I was able to come to Goshen College was someone and some ones and organizations and people gave and created the habit of giving all those years. If you want to think about giving, I just want to close with a quick idea of what I consider the ideal for giving. You remember in the, the book of Mark, Jesus tells the story. Well, this is a case actually where he doesn't tell the story, he becomes part of the story. He's sitting in the synagogue and he's watching people come in 
and they're all giving sums of money. The rich people bring big amounts and they make sure everyone see that they're giving. But who does he point out in, in all of that? He points out the widow, the, the woman that comes in with two coins and puts it in. And he says, that really is the ultimate way of giving. Um, I like the way Eugene Peterson, in his version of the New Testament, puts it. He says, she gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford to give. She gave it her all. And I hope that's the way we think about giving in all that we do. I really appreciate your time this morning, and I hope we'll have a chance to meet with you um, in the dining hall, in the union. Um, go and have a great day. Thank you.